1: Well, I'm really looking forward to the show, because um, my guest and I are going to be talking about some things that that everyone should be um, really paying attention to. I'm sure you, you are paying attention to it when you hear the news, but we need more people like my guest to do something about it. Um, as you know, if you read newspapers or online or watch television or listen to the radio, uh, the crime statistics are going up and the numbers of police are going down. What could go wrong? These days, crime is reaching new heights. The number of the police are reaching new lows, and that's for various reasons, mainly because of defund the police, but also because um, people on the street, criminals, uh, have no... <laughs> it's it's just amazing how um, there has been... There is no uh, awareness or no concern about attacking police. Um, You know, there's no respect for the police. And people are attacking them right and left, killing them, in fact. Um, And so we're losing police that way. And then, of course, um, a lot of police are, are committing suicide because of this situation. And so in a whole bunch of different ways, we are losing police wild crime is skyrocketing and obviously what could go wrong a whole lot. And it is going wrong every day. And um, there, you know, you would think this is obviously, uh, you know, this, this just should be common sense, right? But some people are allowing their political views uh, to, to get in the way of their common sense and continuing to make um, rules, laws, that defund the police and that uh, allow criminals to, even if they are arrested, and many of them aren't, even if they are arrested, allowing these criminals to leave. They are brought to jail. Um, you know, they get their they don't, their bench where they sit doesn't get warm, and uh, and then they are let out. So all of these things are making America a lot more dangerous, not to mention the fact that there are immigrants coming from lawless countries, such as from across our southern border, and now from Afghanistan, tens of thousands of them. And that, of course, is adding to the whole problem, because in a lot of countries, um, there aren't uh, the kinds of laws, you know, or the kinds of strict policing and so on, safety, that we once had. So my guest today is going to be talking to you about all of these different issues. His name is Michael Letts. He um, is the founder, president, and CEO of Invest USA. That's I-N-Vest USA, and you'll understand why in a minute. This is a national grassroots nonprofit organization that's helping hundreds of communities provide thousands of bulletproof vests their police forces through many different means, and he's going to tell you all about that. He also um, has won numerous awards, uh, including the Congressional Gold Medal for his community service, and he also does a number of other programs that we'll talk about as well. So, I'd like to welcome to the show Michael Letts. Welcome. Welcome.
2: Well, thank you, Dr. Lieberman. It's an honor to be on a show that is doing so much to make an impact on America today. If ever there was a time, we need to make a profound impact. It's
1: now. Yes, absolutely. You know, my my favorite song is, Am I the Only One? And I would imagine you can relate to that as well.
2: I can relate very well. Sometimes we feel like that, usually about 10 times a day.
1: Yes, yes okay. So before we get into your programs and the wonderful work you're doing and all that, um, I, I would like to, you to tell us about how you got into this. I mean, once upon a time, you were a little boy growing up in where? Yeah,
2: I actually where grew, grew, up grew up in Mexico. Grew, grew up in the mission field. I grew up in Guadalajara, Mexico. So I've actually experienced, okay. I'm bilingual and uh, came back to the United States with my parents, moved back. I was 16 years of age. I went to Liberty University, and I was actually Dr. Jerry Falwell's bodyguard at the time, captain of the weightlifting team, and then I came back to South Carolina to be part of my family trust, family business, and uh, ran for office, served on council. One of the things I discovered was that we were not funding... The vest for our sheriff's department, we had 230 deputies with no vests at all. And so I thought I was young at the time, thought I could get that introduced into the budget. I got it introduced, but it got voted down on the third reading. And so a reporter asked me, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, they won't listen, the general public will, and we'll take it to the public and we'll start a charity. Little did I know I could never find an exit strategy from there.
1: <laughs> oh wow, well, that's a great um, that's a great story. Um, now those, those two hundred and thirty, that was only in in what area?
2: That was in Columbia, South Carolina, the capital of South uh-huh. Carolina. I'm- and the interesting how we got expanded further. We completed that mission, had a couple of vests left over, and so we handed them to the next town. I told them we didn't need press; we were just going to come by there city council meeting deliver them little did i know one of the officers that we were delivering them to his partner had been killed and he'd been shot four times in the line of duty And his niece was mm. an associated press reporter and so when he told her how excited mm. he was to get a vest wish he'd had one at the time he was shot there were more news reporters there than there were citizens so when we announced that we were shutting the program down we got calls for the next two weeks from agencies all across the Southeast asking, can we just do one more, one more? And we haven't been able to oh, find wow. an exit strategy ever since then.
1: Oh, wow. So, all right. So tell us about how you do fund these vests. How much is a VEST, first of all? A bulletproof well, a,
2: a concealable vest runs around $600, and an active shooter vest runs around 700 And I'll be glad to tell your listeners the difference, and most of may not realize it. When we started in in 1993, 52% of law enforcement officers had no vest at all. And we got that number down to 28%. But you have to understand, there are 1.2 million officers nationwide. So 28% is still over 350,000 officers with no Mm. protection at Mm. all. Then, but a concealable vest that goes underneath your shirt is only for sidearms or handguns. You will stop any handgun, but will not stop a rifle round. Of course, the criminal element over the last five or six years has gotten more sophisticated. They're using rifles now. They're using AK-47s, assault rifles. And uh, so our officers are without protection. So we had to develop new technology. Six years ago, we came up with a new vest called an active shooter vest, which has titanium plates, which will stop any sidearm, rifle round, whatever it may be that's on the market today. But unfortunately, 92% of officers currently today do not have active shooter vests. And so they're heavily out, out outgunned, heavily outmanned, and uh, do not have the necessary equipment to come home safe to their families.
1: Well, now, just to go back for, I mean, yes, that's a huge, a staggering number. Um, and especially with, you know, what I was saying at the beginning, especially with people these days not uh, having the respect, I mean, thinking that they can, in fact, in fact, of course, it's a, uh, it's a notch on their belt, obviously, if they kill a policeman. Um, so, is, you know, unfortunately, these the, the best Yes, these vests are needed more than ever. But now, just to go back for a second to the beginning, was there some? Um, I mean, what personally, like, why, why this? I mean, what made you? Was there was there somebody who was killed who you knew? Um, there was. You we know have had mean?
2: quite a few officers, friends of mine. Of course, I'm in law enforcement, and I've been to more funerals. I'm also a chaplain, and I've conducted and been to more funerals for officers than I care to remember. And it's tragic when you have to look at those little children and know goodwill that we shouldn't be at this funeral. They could be alive today had they had the proper equipment to bring their home. Mm. And I know the American public cares about them. We just have to hook up the right people to get it done.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, okay, how, what are some of the ways that you're doing this, getting the funding? <sighs>
2: it's interesting how this has transpired over the years. We had, starting in just Columbia, we just got local businesses and local communities to do fundraisers to help provide the necessary funding. And then as we begin to expand nationwide, we have a national network of citizens. The majority of our contributions come from mom and pops. Typical citizens send in $5, 10 15 $20, and that money is being used to help outfit officers, thousands of vests. All across the country, we are headed tomorrow to southeast, uh, south Texas, to provide vests along the border. We have five sheriff's departments and numerous municipalities who have no protection at all. But, of course, you have heard that the drug cartels are actually firing high-powered automatic machine gun rifles across the river, Mm -hmm. shooting at our officers. We're determined to make sure we give them the protection they need to help stem this invasion of those who are coming across our borders illegally. You know, it's tragic when you were talking about how they just don't care about officers anymore. Just two days ago in Houston, Texas, we had three officers shot, one killed, one is in critical, who may not survive, the other was hit in the leg. And what's tragic about the story is they were responding to a robbery call, had already completed the call, and a person came out and had nothing to do with the robbery. And just with a long, with a high-powered rifle, shot these officers. They did not have active shooter vests. They had concealable vests. Went right through the concealable vest, killed the one, and severely injured the other. And uh, no regard for life. I mean, it wasn't even tied into the case. Just an assault, uh-huh. a combative assault on officers. And that's where we're at today in a society.
1: And, you know, let's be honest about this, at least well, my opinion, my honest opinion. I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think. Um, you know, the, this has been the, the tremendous um, pr- provocation, propulsion for all of this, for this disrespect and uh, for, for officers' lives. In fact, they're being trophies. Um, killing one is, is a trophy. Um, really... Became a, Yes, it's been happening for a while, but the real impetus was the George Floyd trial and the riots.
2: I agree with you all, Arlie. This has been a very orchestrated, very planned maneuver over the last 15 years. It has been an attempt to destroy the very freedoms and foundations of this country. What's standing between the leftists and the socialists being able to accomplish that objective is our law enforcement and our military when I mean law enforcement, I mean local and state law enforcement. And so it started back in 2008 when Obama first took office. You remember there was the incident of the Harvard law professor who had to, forgot his key, tried to break into his own house, his neighbors called, and then he had the president call law enforcement as racist.
1: Mm -hmm. Of course,
2: black officers didn't go along with that. And when that backfired and didn't work, then they began the movement of the riots, and to not fund officers with necessary equipment they move from there to defunding police they move from there to creating policies and regulations which make it virtually impossible for law enforcement officers to perform their duty or automatically perceived as being guilty right off the bat until proven innocent on any situation we respond to then they've gone this next step further the uh Vaccinations, the mandated vaccinations, if you do not receive a vaccination, you're terminated. And now the pushback is coming. There are thousands of officers across the country who are refusing to be pushed aside and intimidated and used as political pawns any longer. And they're resigning. They're retiring. They're resigning. In fact, Chicago is at a critical position. It was just announced today. Almost 50% of their force is looking at stepping down and leaving. You cannot have law enforcement in Chicago if that happens. They will become like the old Wild West. Uh, We're at a critical position for national security in this country. It had been projected before this happened that within three years that you would dial 911 and no longer be able to receive a response. You would get a message. We leave the nature of your call. We will respond as soon as possible, which is okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Could you wait, wait, wait,
1: for... wait, wait, wait? Could you back sure. up on that? Are you saying sure. that this? What are you saying about the nine hundred and eleven? This, uh, this is a well. First, wait. the you national... to nine hundred and eleven? Wait. Let me let me just go back uh, even a little further. Sure. Um Were you implying or saying um, that this lack of this is? A part of the, and first of all, I, Obama is the worst president that there ever was. Um, right. So, um, so I'm not surprised that you would date these things back to then. But, and I do remember that case of the professor who, you know, lost his keys and so on. But, um, but are you saying that this not having the proper vest um, is part of this whole defund the police and, and kill off the police, basically?
2: Without question, yes, ma'am. it is it is a component of a larger master plan, and that plan has been very effective to this point. It has gotten to the position where the National Institute of Justice, which is part of the Department of Justice and the FBI, had already predicted that within three years, which would be two thousand twenty four that we would not have enough officers to respond to nine one one calls. That's going to probably happen much sooner than two thousand twenty four. And the reason why is I because do. of the fact that yeah. you can't get people that a they're leaving because of the circumstance most officers that I know across the country are packing it in they 've had enough, and then you can 't recruit there are nobody wants to become a police officer and how do you blame our younger generation when we perceived and given a, a, a perception that law enforcement is the worst thing that you can be involved with. There's no respect. There's no pay. We don't pay them enough. We don't provide the equipment they need to do their job. They're disrespected. They're looked down upon. You can't even allow them to make their own health decisions. Who would want to be involved in a situation like that? When you ask so much, you ask these heroes to put their lives on the line every day and make a decision to give their own lives to protect yours, and we treat them in such a form and fashion. It's amazing that we have anybody wearing a badge anymore nowadays. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um,
2: you know what's uh-oh. tragic about it's
1: it? Actually, this is...
2: is... just 20 years ago wait, 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 when they, you, you saw them all running
1: you, I'm into sorry. 9-11. <laughs> before sure. you, wait a second, before you get to nine I'm just noticing the time, and we have a minute to go before we have to take a break, so this would be a good time to do that. And yes, uh, when we come back, we can continue with what you were saying. I mean, this is all uh, very scary stuff and, um, and really needs to be stopped. It's scary,
2: but people need to know.
1: Absolutely. And my guest who's telling us these things is Michael Letts. Um, and when we come back, we'll hear more. About what's really going on, and um, you know, if you care about your own safety, the safety of your loved ones, this is must hear So stay tuned.
0: Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com.
1: Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do, too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety.
2: Stimulating talk gets those
0: synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about uh, crime going up, police going down, what could go wrong. And my guest... Is um, the founder is Michael Metz, first of all, and he's the founder and president and CEO of a company called a nonprofit company called Invest USA, providing um, as many <laughs> bulletproof vests as possible to police um, through various fundraising programs. He's also so far he has been he has given more than sixty four. He's raised money for and given. More than 6,500 concealable and active shooter vests, uh, distributing them to the police. And um, he's won a Congressional Gold Medal Award. He's also founded a program called um, Pennies for Police that we'll talk about and bless the vest. So we'll, we'll get to those. But but before the break, he was starting to talk about 9-11. And during the break, he was telling me that he was there uh, for in 48 hours um, cleaning up the the tragedy. So tell us about that.
2: Well, I think every American can recall where they were at at that time, when they were transfixed to the TV, watching these first responders running into danger, knowing good and well they weren't coming back. And, of course, when I saw that immediately, I knew good and well this was an incident that would overpower the resources of any agency and that the support of the entire nation would be necessary to pull through this event. And so we immediately began to plan, put together teams, chaplaincy teams, officer teams, uh, firefighter teams, search and rescue teams. And we, one curveball that we got that nobody thought about was there wasn't any air transportation. You're gonna have to drive. Let me tell you, Dr. Lieberman, one of the things that I discovered was the spirit of unity across this country. They came from California, Mm -hmm. they came from everywhere. To help and to be there, and it was an overwhelming sight when you first arrived. The the amount of devastation you weren't talking about a couple feet of devastation. You were talking about stories and stories high of mounds of rubble. But we took it one step at a time, with hope to begin with of finding survivors, which we did find some. And then, quite frankly, providing the psychological care necessary for our first responders. That's a very traumatic event. It's very traumatic for those families knowing to have to tell them. Your father, your mother was a hero, but they're not coming home because they gave their life in hopes of being able to save others. Quite an honorable thing, but some very difficult for young kids to understand at that time.
1: Yes, absolutely. Now, did you, um, did you, uh, how many days did you work there?
2: Seven days. We were there for a week.
1: Did you have, are you suffering, besides, of course, probably PTSD, are you suffering from any physical um, problems? I do with have that? Some, I mean, you know, a yes, lot of ma'am. from the toxins in the building.
2: It, it, it's amazing. You know, I, I tell people, because uh, I get asked that question all the time, you don't think about that when, you, when there's a situation in front of you. You think about what you can do to save people, to help people. And you just deal with that. The consequences come later. It's just part of life, something that we all have to deal with. I'm sure there are plenty of other people much worse off than I am. I'm just grateful that we could serve.
1: Well, as I started to tell you um, uh, during the break, um, one of my hacks, the one that I am most passionate about, is as a terrorist therapist, and um, I was born and bred in New York City, and so when 9-11 happened, even though I had already moved to California, my heart was and still is in New York. And um, so I decided, you know, I asked myself what I could do, since this is going to be um, the, and still is, <laughs> the uh, biggest threat to us. Um, and I asked what I could do to help people both, both um, cope with the memory of 9-11, which is still affecting us, and with sure. the ongoing threat that are co- coming, you know, they're, uh, they're that have only been delayed because of COVID, because nobody's been out in the streets, but they are coming fast and furious. Um, I agree. Or maybe not fast and furious, but they are coming. <laughs> there was already one in their way No, they're coming London fast and, and furious. And, yes. So, um, and within our own country, the, the jihadists who we brought here... Um, so, in any case, so uh go so to the 20th anniversary, I mean as you probably as, as it probably uh, annoyed you too over these 20 years, um the commemoration of 9/11 has been getting less and less attention. And Correct. um so I have been which has been, you know, aggravating me <laughs> each year more. And so I decided to do something for this 20th um anniversary and I created a 15-minute um music video. Uh, with the originally starting with why we should never forget, five reasons why we should never forget, including the fifth one was um, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And that went over a visual of the Taliban and their first press conference and so on. And I had other things, you know, I, and at the end of the video, so I had various patriotic music playing and, and talked about symptoms that people would have and, you know, go get help. If you have this and that 10 ways to, um, help your, build your resilience in your children and so on and so forth. Uh, clips from various television interviews that I was in that, that, you know, just little clips that added information, important information. And I closed it with, um, a picture of It was like from the 50s of kids um, with their hands across their chest, you know, across their heart, um, pledging allegiance. So the pl- flag is in the front of the room and they're pledging their, the allegiance. And I played during that segment, I played America the Beautiful. And it occurred to me, um, you know, more powerfully than it might've, I might have thought of it before, that that is what we need to bring back in America. There are too many it schools is. where um, this is, you know, not being done, both private and public. And um, and instead, their kids are seeing, you know, heroes, potential heroes like uh, Olympic uh, athletes turning their back on the flag and the anthem and, and uh, Colin Kaepernick not taking a knee, a knee and all that. Um, you know, all of these anti American things, which is all part of what you were talking about at the beginning, from Obama and from, um, and still going on, of course, today. Well, uh, not, well, not, not when Trump was president, but Obama and Biden and the people behind Biden, the puppeteers. Um, and, um, it, you know, it's all this anti American, destroy the country kind of thing. And what you're saying, you know, of course, um, is certainly a significant part of that because if we don't, Police, that is one way to more efficiently, uh, you know, take over the country, and so, right. um, so, so I, so I was, I was. It just occurred to me while you were talking that maybe you had thought, or you would be like a uh, uh, kindred spirit in terms of thinking about bringing back the um, pledge of
2: allegiance. I believe in that wholeheartedly. I think that's part of what we would do together and be in sync on And Let me tell you what I mean by that. Part of what I tell people, the first question they ask me, what can we do to save America? What can we do to protect us from this crime that's just going rampant? I tell them, you know, yes, it's nice for you to donate to help put a vest on, but before you do that, do you know who your first responders are in your community? Do you demonstrate the Mm. patriotism and pride in this country? And when they give me a blank stare, I said, you know, the first thing, the morale is the lowest it has ever been in the history of the United States for first responders. I said, they're torn. They know their government doesn't back them. We know that because of everything I've just told you. But do they wonder, do the American people support them? I believe firmly that the vast majority do. But we're doing a very poor job of letting them know that. I said, so find your first responder. Go up to them. It doesn't cost you a dime. And say, you know what? Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. I'm going to try to help protect you the same way you protect us. That's all you have to say. Same principle. Uh Show your patriotism. Whatever happened to the Pledge of Allegiance, whatever happened to singing out the national anthem, those are matters of unity that bring this country together, and that's where we need to be. Yes, ma'am, by all means. Yes. I mean,
1: I I remember how... um you know, when you would do that, start off the day with a Pledge of Allegiance and saluting the flag and all of that, and some, and oftentimes singing a song, um, a patriotic song, um, it made everybody feel, like, united and safe. You know, we were all sharing this experience in the classroom, you know, third grade, fifth Correct. grade, whatever, yeah, and you just felt like you loved your fellow uh, students in, in America and all of that. It was a very... Positive way to start off the day, and um, you know, well, we can we can continue talking about this off at the (laughs) after the show. But uh, I I just wanted to, it just kind of the thought came into my mind, so I wanted to jump on it. Um, What else do I want? What do you think about uh, the this plan that is happening in some um, precincts, some areas where they're having social workers? Join police, particularly when it's domestic violence kinds of calls?
2: Well, they make a tremendous mistake. And I will tell you the reason why. It's not that I don't have high regard for social workers, but the circumstance you're placing them in is a violent circumstance. the When it gets to the point where you're dialing 911, you're not needing to be talked down, you're needing an authoritative figure that could control the situation. I promise you the social workers have no idea what they're getting into. And as soon as they're murdered left and right, there'll be a rethinking of that thought.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, I think all it's going to do is make fewer social workers in these areas. I agree. Um, I mean, not to say, you know, that, uh, that perhaps there w- wouldn't be some benefit in Social workers, any kind of mental health professional, talking to police and giving them, you know, um, periodic uh, updates or reviews or reminders about domestic violence and so on. But putting them in the in the uh, area of danger now, you have to look out for the social worker in addition to looking out for yourself and the other people sure. who are around. It, it's just absurd.
2: You see, what's going to happen in the situation we're referring to is. Currently, where now you maybe send one or two officers. Of course, remember now, domestic violence is one of the highest rates of death for officers on the street. Most of these shootings occur under domestic violence situations. So that's a very, very violent situation to begin with. So now instead of sending two officers, you may send one officer and a social worker. Well, the social worker is not armed but he can't do anything to be of assistance in calming down the violent situation. And now that officer has to be responsible for his life as well as to control the situation, it's an
1: impossibility. Mm-hmm. hmm Yes. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about some examples of where we... Uh, I mean, it's really all over the country, but um, some examples of where there, you know, the this problem of... Um, Downgrading crimes and down and and um, defunding police are really having some of the most obvious effects. I mean, one of the places is San Francisco, and um, where they have just downgraded criminal theft to misdemeanor um, for thefts of less than nine hundred fifty dollars. Is uh, now it's been downgraded from a felony to a misdemeanor which means that um, they get out of jail free, basically, right?
2: Basically, we have a 2 tiered justice system, and uh, it is destroying law enforcement because, quite frankly, why would you want to be involved in putting your life at risk to uphold a law that your own solicitors won't enforce? Uh, it's just its ridiculous. When you follow the money, the money is coming from, and I, I say it publicly, George Soros has done more to destroy this country than any other one man, and he has used his billions in wealth to fund the campaigns of liberal leftists, DAs, and prosecutors who, upon election, agree that they will not enforce and will not prosecute criminals, and that's just destroying the morale of law enforcement, period. Uh, You can beat your head against the wall one time, shame on you beat it. I mean, you know, shame on on something else. You beat it twice. You you need to be the one to ask why you're so hard-headed. And that's where law enforcement is at. We just have given up. We know good and well. If we prosecute, if we arrest, he'll be back out on the street. So what's the purpose behind it? To jeopardize yourself. There are some major issues that need to be solved in this country, and I think we can do it together as the American people. But unless the American people rally together, and help shore up the thin blue line that is very quickly crumbling, we'll lose a little bit of freedom we have left.
1: Yes. Um, you know, the other thing, of course, is that uh, that now, you know, what's happening um, is that stores are closed. I mean, this isn't just in San Francisco, though. Um, you know, it's, in New York is another place where this is crime is, or, and shoplifting. Chicago. And Chicago, and you know, I mean, they're not really calling it shoplifting; <laughs> they're calling it restoration or something. You know that these people who are coming right. in and they're not stealing; they're taking what's theirs. So, and then I was just reading something about um, Washington, the state of Washington, how police have been told um, to not use pepper spray or any kind of crowd controlling uh, device or, or you know, weapons, so to speak, um, and so. So they're they're just left to see these. They just stand there while these riots happen and while some of them are getting killed.
2: Correct. They're ordered to stand down, and if they engage, they're not allowed to engage with any kind of ability to defend themselves. So uh, they're the ones suffering the consequences. Officers are being killed, are being maimed, and for what cause? You know, the problem that we have is we have sent a very clear message especially to our young people, but not just our young people, our citizens at large. But there is no more accountability. I tell people the message they're sending is that crime does pay. Never thought I'd hear those words out of my mouth, but that's what they're trying to project. And they're trying to do so to be able to destroy our first responders and our law enforcement office so that they can create a national police force that they control that will uh, do exactly what they're ordered to do. I disarm the citizens, whatever the case may be. And uh I think mm. America's had enough. I'm prayerful that we have woke enough in this country and that we realize what's going on and we're not gonna let it happen.
1: Yes. Wow, I never went that far and actually that makes total sense. Well we need to take a break right now. But when we come back, um we can hear more about God, you're really uh you know, taking these things to their to their um you know, natural conclusion, which I don't think, I mean, I'll admit even I haven't um, really thought about. We'll come back. My guest is Michael Letts. Um, he's the founder of and CEO and president of Invest USA, which helps to provide best for first responders. So stay tuned.
0: Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline.
1: We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are, at home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey,
0: Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn.
1: It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work.
2: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, where we're talking today about crime going up, police going down, what could go wrong, with my guest, Michael Letts, he is the um, president, founder, president, and CEO of InvestUSA. And by the way, I want to make sure I get in his website, which is investusa.org. Um, invest and then usa.org. Uh, and you will find all kinds of information about what he's doing and how to donate and his various programs. And we're going to talk now about two of these programs that I mentioned that are sound very exciting, one of them is called Pennies for Police. Tell us about that.
2: Well, Pennies for Police has its origin in the school resource officers. You know, every school nowadays, unfortunately, but it's necessary, has a police officer, a school resource officer in its school system. But these officers are asked to come in to bond with the kids, to try to give them positive uh influence about law enforcement but we're putting them at a very great disadvantage to drop somebody in there and ask them to be able to accomplish basically the impossible so pennies for police was put together to ask the young people in the school elementary kids high school kids middle school kids to just bring their change to help provide a vest for an officer we want those kids to have buy-in to feel like that officer is theirs that they actually help provide his protection. And that will make such a significant difference among our young people. It will change their perception of law enforcement. It will allow law enforcement to become engaged on a much more effective basis with our young people. And so it's a very simple program, very effective. Every school needs to make sure that their kids, even if the money is not the issue, the kids still need to feel like they have a part of the officer. They have ownership in that officer. That's how we make a difference in turning people's, young people's opinions around on first responders and law enforcement.
1: Yes, I, I, I can see that. So, um, but how do you, how have you been, like, how have you been making this happen? How have you, the nuts and bolts in We're, the way.
2: Yeah, we, with the nuts and bolts, we go to school districts. They're able to access our website. We get parents Instead of the school officials, because, you know, the school officials nowadays are, well, that's a whole other topic. But parents yeah. in school districts say, you know, I care about my kids and I care about their perception of authority and law enforcement. We're going to do something for our school resource officer. And two or three of them band together, they go to the principal and say, we want to create this program, which is a nonprofit. We want to ask the kids to bring their pocket change pennies. and You know, the interesting thing is regardless of how much they raise, there's always corporations that will make up the difference. And then we want them to be able to purchase that vest through Invest and have, them donate, have the kids hand that vest in a school assembly to their officer. Wow, you can see the power behind those assemblies.
1: Mm, wow. Hmm. I can imagine that. Now, do you get, um, do, you, do you hear some uh, backlash? Like, for example, uh, does some parents or some kids say, you know, say, we don't, want, we don't want this resource officer here, or we don't want, or resource officers, you know, are a threat to our children or any kind of talk like that.
2: You know, we did get some pushback in years past. But I think right now, I'm just going to say it because it's just the way I am. I think parents are scared to death about the safety for their Mm -hmm. kids in their school system. And Mm. uh, they're searching and grabbing for anything that gives them reassurance that when they send their kids to the school bus in the morning, they'll see them that afternoon. So Mm. we're getting a lot more receptivity from parents wanting to do that.
1: You know, um, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the um, the story, the, the the outrageous story that just happened. Scott Smith, I think I tweeted about this. I I think his that's his name, um, the man who was in the uh, in a Virginia school district whose whose daughter was raped in the bathroom by a boy wearing a skirt. And, um, and because of Biden putting out, the, well, because of the National School Board Association putting out um, uh, a call, sending a letter to Biden, who then contacted the FBI, who then contacted various other law enforcement agencies um, to, make, to con- call parents who complain at school board meetings to call them domestic terrorists and to arrest them. And this poor man, oh, this poor man, um, uh, Scott, um, Scott Smith, um, he, he was at this meeting and he, you know, uh, had, had reported before that his daughter was raped and they didn't want to hear about it. And these police officers or sheriff police officers, I, I don't, I'm not sure of the, which specific designation, but um, they were, you know, under orders. To arrest this man, and and he, he, they wound up, um, you know, he resisted arrest, and so uh, so he was. There are pictures, you know, out there about him on the floor, um, really uh, humiliating him as they were arresting him because he was resisting. So he fell on the floor, and his shirt, his t-shirt, went up, and his belly kind of showed. It was just totally humiliating. And, uh, and all because his daughter, he was trying to, you know, his, I mean, it wasn't a lie. Um, his daughter was raped. And then it turned out that the uh, principal or someone who was in charge sent this kid, the principal, they didn't want to believe him, but anyway, they sent, so they sent the kid to another school, and he did the same thing to another girl there. What do you, say to, what do you think about all that?
2: It's tragic, but let me tell you, here's a silver lining. What's occurring is tragic. However, we have the opportunity as Americans to capitalize on this timing, to show law enforcement that we truly have their backs that we support them because quite frankly we're going to quickly get to the point where law enforcement is going to be asked to begin to enforce things that are unconstitutional and things that have no business Mm. being passed to begin with and i believe that law enforcement because i deal with them every day the vast majority across the country do not want to do unconstitutional matters but they need to know Mm -hmm. that the public has their back. Right now, they don't know that, and we have the opportunity to demonstrate that through INVEST, among other programs.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's really... Um, it's just really sad, and and yes, um, you know, it's, it's really... Uh, I mean, it, it, the problem is we do need to come together. I mean, there are a lot of people who who um, who are very upset about all these different things that are happening in the country, and yet people feel so helpless, especially after COVID. You know, that has um, that has really affected us psychologically and physically, and it's kind of taken the fight out of a lot of people, and we have to get yeah. our fight back, <laughs> you know?
2: Well, I think that was uh, part of their strategy, too. Nothing, nothing uh, is being done by happenstance. I think part of the COVID uh, releasing at that time was to help effectuate what they're trying to do in undermining yes. uh, not just our first responders, but undermining our basic freedoms and liberties in this country. But, again, I do believe that the American people can, in their righteous might, stand and counter this if we take that opportunity now. If not, we'll lose it forever.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I agree with you, yes, that's so interesting. Uh, that's, I was thinking that too, about how what a what an interesting um timing um, of COVID, and of course uh, the COVID mandate. oh, and I wanted to say when you were talking about it before, about how you know I, I am very proud of all the police and first responders and, and nurses and teachers for that matter. Um, and parents, you know, in California, parents are having a rally um, to, to uh, fight back against Governor Newsom's um, uh, prop mandate that kids, all kids have to be vaccinated. So parents are now t- doing protests. Um, but I mean, you know, it's both the both the illness to make people weaker and then the mandates to show that the, that, you know, governors and the president and everybody, that they can be controlled. you know, that's another way of assaulting our, um, our, uh, sense of, uh, that we can, uh, it's making us feel even more helpless. Oh, you know, you have to do what we say and, and take, <laughs> take this vaccine and then take the booster and then take, I mean, it's just, um, absurd. This whole thing is just absurd. And of course, dividing the country into, ha- you know, not only are we divided because of politics and so on, um, but now also we're being divided as far as the vaxxers and the so-called anti-vaxxers. And I, I mean, it is, yes, it is an orchestrated, um, a very well orchestrated attack on America
2: it is and i think once the american public realizes that just like the border situation i noticed you'd mentioned that earlier in our discussion here you know we'd have credible intelligence now from the panamanian government among others that isis and al-qaeda operatives have been arrested and detained there who are merging into these migrations that are coming up
1: Mm -hmm. from the southern border
2: and yet we Mm -hmm. have an administration who has a porous border allowing them to come in. That's why I made the comment, we're going to be hit harder and sooner than most people realize. And uh, Mm -hmm. we have to be prepared to do that. Our first responders are going to be that first line of defense, but we're destroying them too.
1: We're going to be in a mess. Yes, you know, that's part of it too. All these people who are gung-ho, defund the police, um, they're not thinking about I mean, besides criminals, they're not thinking about terrorists. Everybody has, you know, wants to uh, deny or forget about that that there are terrorists still, uh, you know, still planning on attacking us. They think they want to think that 9-11 was a one-off uh, or the Boston Marathon, you know, or these, uh, Polk's nightclub, all of these things, ah, eh, that's not going to happen again. They've given up, you know, they're, they're sick with COVID and they're not, well, you know, I do a podcast called The Terrorist Therapist Show and, uh, so, and a, a weekly podcast and so I'm, I stay on top of all of these things and they have been using this, um, this uh, COVID lockdown to do um, a greater recruiting than before, because more people have been on the internet and it's now they're called bedroom radicals. Um, people who have been right. in their bedrooms or other parts of their house uh, getting radicalized and are going to be coming out as uh, lone wolves. And it's, yes, it's um, <laughs> the only, <laughs> the only, you know, <laughs> The only bright spot, and I'm being facetious, I don't mean that this is, um, you know, I wrote a book called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And um, these books are going to go flying off the shelves as we have more attacks. But...
2: You're right, you're right. Well, I will tell you this. It's very encouraging for your show to know that we are at least getting the word out so that people will become prepared.
1: Yes, yes. Um, They have to be reminded. Well, I want to give out the website again, your website, um, investusa.org. I made a typo on the description. There's an extra T at the end, but I'm going to be fixing that. So it's just investusa.org. And, um, again, my guest's name is Michael Letts. And, Michael, it's so, you know, it is so... um, of uh, such a breath, breath of fresh air uh to have you on the show and to hear you talk and to hear your passion and what you want to accomplish and what you have been accomplishing, and some of these connections that you made of how uh you know the national how this is really on the way to a national police force and um and so on, and you know it 's just um Yes, this is, and the idea—I mean, people don't even realize that the idea that we could call nine one one, and instead of uh, the police and fire and and an ambulance being out there in quick time, um, yeah, can you imagine? You leave a leave a message as to what your problem yeah. is, and we'll get back to you. <laughs>
2: we'll get back to you whenever we we're available. You can't even tell you when. Yes, that's about that's what's <laughs>
1: so <sad>. Right, right. As <laughs> we're available, oh. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, well, and thank, thank you, you for Dr. all the work Weber. that we did.
2: And I will tell you all this, right, it again. is still an honor to be on your show, and there is hope. We can rally together, be unified, and we can turn America around, and God bless America.
1: Yes, I second that. Thank you again, and thank all of you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.